This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a week we're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. Or if you want to be even more interactive with us, you can go to the new Facebook group page, um, which I'll have a link in the show notes, and you can just search Obsessive Viewer Podcast and the group will come up. Tiny, we have a group now. We totally. I mean, yeah. we have groupies. We do. We kind of do. We kind of um, do. No, it's it's actually really. I'm really excited about it because it was. I was nervous about doing it because I didn't know if anyone would join the group, and I had like uh, I posted a, uh, a OV181 uh, discussion thread, and it was just it was cool to see like like uh, longtime listener Yasmin respond to something that. Uh, Still, like, long time, but still fairly recent listener Matt and Draco post on it. And it's just like, that's cool. Yeah. We're bringing people together. We are. We're like UNICEF. Sure. I don't even know what UNICEF is. I, I know, know it's a thing. It's a large wooden ship. United. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's an old, old wooden ship. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway. Um,. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, if you like what you hear and want to support the podcast, everything that you've heard so far notwithstanding, <laughs> uh, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes' search results. And if you want to help support the podcast with your wallet, which we highly recommend, um, you can do that by clicking the donate button on obsessiveviewer.com for a one-time donation or by clicking the donate link in the show notes of this episode. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer where you can choose from several different reward tiers such as you can make us say any sentence of your choosing for $5 or you can pick a specific potpourri or movie or topic or what have you for an episode. More details about that are at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and just to reinforce any donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running so we can continue to provide you with our weekly podcast ramblings i'm gonna have to change that because it's gonna seem so disingenuous repeating it every week yeah so much anyway um, your support is very much appreciated it is so finally uh, tickets are on sale for Shocktober and Irvington 3. You'll hear a promo for it later in this episode. More information is at shocktoberandirvington.com. Essentially, it's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers here in Indianapolis. Uh, once again, you can check it out at shocktoberandirvington.com. And uh, for uh, as a special bonus for listeners of the podcast, you can get $1 off the price of admission when you use the promo code PODCAST1 when you buy your tickets. That's PODCAST and the number 1. Whew, tiny, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Football season starting up. It sure is. Olympics are over. They sure are. I was sick yesterday. You sure were. <laughs> <laughs> doing pretty good. Doing pretty <laughs> nice. Good. Can't complain. That's good. That's good. Uh, do you want to know how I'm doing? Not really. I mean, oh, okay. just kidding. Okay. I'm doing well. Um, <laughs> uh, and this was meant to be a segue for this, but I'm just going to dive right in. Um, 
the uh, fine folks at the Showdown podcast, a local podcast where it's a, essentially they compete. It's it's actually really clever. They had, they compete with different titles. So recently they did Aliens versus 2001: A Space Odyssey, and they have an, a, a judge that basically uh, it's like a debate. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun to listen to. It's really fun. I met one of them at PopCon. Um, yeah, so that sounds challenging, right? Yeah, and they wow. do it like they do it frequently. It's it's amazing. Wow. Um, but they recently played uh, our Shocktober and Irvington promo, and we really appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I totally recommend checking out the Showdown podcast. All right. So having said all of that, Tiny, uh, do you want to know what we're talking about today? What are we talking about? We're talking about Sausage Party. The, oh, I love sausage really? parties. I don't want to know what you do in your spare time, man. <laughs> um, no. Um, uh, yes, we're going to be reviewing Sausage Party, uh, the new R-rated animated, new as in two weeks ago, um, <laughs> R-rated uh, animated comedy. And uh, But before we do that, I have a couple news items that I want to bring up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so um, Ben-Hur, the uh, remake of the classic yeah. uh, religious epic, uh, the remake of it, it flopped this weekend. What? Yeah. No way. It had a, it, it made $11.4 million. Oh man, that's rough. In its opening weekend. And according to an article from Variety, it could potentially lose $100 million at the box office when all is said and done. Oh boy. They actually said that the conjecture is that they... Could, it could finish it with like 30, 000, 30, or 30 million domestically total domestically. Yeah, yeah. That's just rough. It's very rough. And it's funny because we, uh, in the, in the Facebook group, um, intent, just, you know, plugging that again. Um, <laughs> in the Facebook group, I posted a thread asking, uh, or a poll asking what movie they were most excited. Everyone was most excited about for the weekend. And, uh, you cheated and you added none. To I, did. I did. I <laughs> did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're out of the group, but um, <laughs> no, but um, but no. Uh, listener Matt said uh, he said that was it? we started talking about Ben Hur, and he said uh, I I mentioned that Ben Hur seems like such a random thing to remake, and we got into kind of a discussion. It was really pretty interesting because Matt asked uh, if there was a demand, if there was that much demand for. Um, a genre like like a movie in the Ben Hur genre, like the religious epic movie, and I kind of threw out like, well, to to an extent, you know, there's been a surge of religious movies lately, like Son of God, Noah, God's Not Dead, Heaven Is for Real, um, but then again, Ben Hur uh, still seems like a random remake for that. Absolutely, I but agree. yeah, but it was it was a good discussion. I recommend everyone check out the Facebook group and. Uh, Kind of thought that would be more interesting. Yeah, um, <laughs> me too. Uh, I'm kidding. No, I, I that was a genuine nun selection for me. We mm -hmm. were I was so unenthused about anything that came out this weekend that uh, Paige and I went and saw yeah. Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> oh, nice! Which has been out for three weeks. Nice. So, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Hollywood just kind of sabotaged themselves. Yeah. This weekend. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, because that's BC. the... Oh, you, yeah. you went there. That was dumb. That's <laughs> Matt Hurt, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, thank you. Uh, 182 episodes. You guys know what I'm all about. Uh, you guys you guys have known for a while. If you've stuck out this long, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Fool me <laughs> once. Shame on, shame right. on me. Fool, fool you. Fool you. 180. Fool me once. Can't get fooled again. <laughs> Whatever Jeez. he says. Right. 
So anyway, uh, rounding out news for this week is uh, so tiny. Have you heard about like? I just saw this on Reddit, so I thought I'd share because I hadn't heard about this. But do you are you aware of at all of the movie One Hundred Years, the movie you'll you will never see? No. Okay. So apparently, this is a movie starring John Malkovich, written by John Malkovich, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, this was in, this was made in, uh, it was announced in November of 2015 that they had, uh, that Malkovich and Rodriguez had, uh, I'm reading from Wikipedia, had teamed up with, uh, Louis the 13th, uh, Cognac, like the brand, mm-hmm. to, uh, create a film inspired by the 100 years it takes to make a bottle of Louis the 13th. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, um, <laughs> The kicker, though, is that the release date for this movie is November 18th, 2115. What? Yeah, it's honestly, it's kind of interesting. I'm just going to read from the Wikipedia page. Yeah, color me intrigued. Yeah, so on November 18th, I'm quote, on November 18th, 2015, Malkovich and Rodriguez wow, released three teaser trailers showing no footage from the film. Instead, they imagined three different possible futures from a dystopia to a technological paradise. Until its release, the film will be kept in a high-tech safe in bulletproof ga- glass that will open automatically on November 18th, 2115, the date of the film's premiere, to which 1,000 guests from around the world, including Malkovich and Rodriguez, received an invitation to be handed down to their descendants to attend. That's super elaborate. Yeah. The film's plot remains a complete secret. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's like a good like marketing campaign or like a good strategy yeah. for like, you know, drumming up interest, but... I'm interested now. Right. Me too. <laughs> I mean, not when I'm dead. <laughs> right. I'm going to be dead when this yeah. comes out. But the thing that I kind of thought of for a brief second was like, what if, like, whoa, man, what if, like, people are listening to this podcast a hundred years in the future and they've watched 100 years? Yeah. Let us know how it is. Yeah. Let us know. You know, time travel better, better right. exists by then. Seriously? Like, right? For, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Get on it, guys. If time travel exists in 2115, and it's not like a looper time travel thing, it's like a, you know, fun back to the future time travel thing. Yeah. Um, come to Indianapolis in, actually, let's go with 2017, uh, the weekend of July, the first weekend of July, 2017 for the Indie PopCon and come see us at booth, whatever. Ooh. I like that. Yes. Oh yeah. Very cool. Damn it, I should have said Sharktober in Irvington. Anyway, that's uh, already out there. Anyway, so this is this is off the rails. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I just thought that this was kind of interesting. It kind of uh, it's it's funny because like <laughs> a little bit of it seems like they seems like uh I guess not technically like this, but it kind of makes me feel like they were like they saw Richard Linklater with Boyhood and were like you this is what we're doing <laughs> but, um, yeah that's funny but no it's it's kind of interesting i kind of you know all i'm saying is that if the people in hollywood have enough you know or the people behind this movie have enough to uh have a bulletproof safe and timed with like uh timed to open up and have it shrouded in secrecy and send uh send 
you know, invitations to people that would be handed down uh, to their descendants and everything, they have enough to donate to the Obsessive Viewer podcast. Yes, they do. Yes, which you can do, do with the donate button. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that basically rounds out the news that I have. I just thought that that was a fun little anecdote and Ben-Hur. I'm, I think I might still check out Ben-Hur, maybe. The movie was know. not even on my radar. It Most people's, apparently. Right. It, <laughs> it all depends on whether or not it's still in theaters next week. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. But yeah, these are the these are the things that this these are the reasons I have movie pass. The original holds up too. Oh my, that it's chariot, so good. That chariot race, it's incredible. I mean, like compared to like the modern stuff we get, like with the Transformers, mm-hmm. like I'd rather watch the chariot race. Me too. And the original Ben Hur. Oh yeah, and the in the scope of it is insane. Yeah. Just, it, uh, it's amazing. I think I talked about it when we did our religious movies episode, mm-hmm. and. uh yeah, I really like it. I have the DVD. I just me too. It to it. It's nice. a good movie. Good job. Yeah, good job. All right, so that rounds us out for news and everything. So let's go ahead and get on with our review of Sausage Party. Yep, my favorite sausage is kielbasa. You know, I just had chorizo etouffee from Yats, and it's it's <laughs> chorizo. <good>. Nice. Um, <laughs> that's ridiculous. I'm Polish, so kielbasa. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, I got nothing. Okay, yeah, um, uh, that was stupid. So, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, anyway, so, okay, so we are talking about Sausage Party. Um, this is a movie that I was hotly anticipating. Yes, you were. Yeah, Which was. surprised me. I was just going to say, like, when I when I pitched the idea of us reviewing it, you were like, really? Yeah. Uh, or you seemed like kind of like, oh, all right. Um, had you seen the promotional material? I had, yeah. To? Okay, and you, were you just not that interested, or were I, you? I thought it looked, you know, just like dumb, but like silly dumb to the point where I thought it could, you know, it could be funny and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But it just didn't seem that promising to me. It seems like this group of guys uh, continually try to like one up the ridiculousness levels. I okay. guess you know, like this is the end. Mm-hmm. It was pretty pretty crazy movie, but it was hilarious. Um, and I just, I feel like they took it a step too far with this and I could feel that when I was looking at the promotional stuff mm-hmm. and just wasn't excited about it for that reason. That's fair. I, on the other hand, I saw the trailers and I just thought that the, the craziness of the plot, like the, the concept alone, like, like I'm, we've been so inundated with these PG, PG 13 kid friendly Disney Pixar movies that anthropomorphize, you know, objects or animals or, you know, we have these views into these secret worlds that are always fun for adults. Like, like, you know, our share of uh, DreamWorks and, and Pixar movies, they have their fun little like in jokes that are just for the adults. But like to see like to see like the idea of a movie that does this and like has dick and fart jokes in it it seemed like kind of a winning recipe. It seemed like it was unique enough that the concept alone would at least be worth the price of admission. And, uh, and like I stated this before and I said this on Twitter and everywhere like months ago, but the scene in the trailer that aped or, or parodied, um, saving private Ryan, that was like, I, I'm seeing this movie the weekend it comes out. (laughs) (laughs) um, but the question is, did it live up to that or did it expe- exceed your expectations? Um, so 
that was my awkward way of segueing into what did you think of the movie, Tiny? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was actually dumber than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it was just so dumb. Uh, but I, I will, I will give them credit in, in a handful of areas. The scene you just mentioned, the mm-hmm. parody or whatever of Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. was really funny and just like very clever how they did it. I, I laughed pretty hard at that. Thought it was well done. There's a scene at the end. I won't spoil it. Mm-hmm. Um, was very funny. Um, but I, I, I feel like it was just, it was literally Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg smoking a joint and being like, wouldn't it be funny if we did this? <laughs> and sometimes that works out. Pineapple sure. Express. It was yeah. a surprisingly funny movie. I thought it was going to be really stupid, but it's actually a pretty funny movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the end was probably a similar scenario. Um, but turned out to be pretty funny. Um, I just think this time it didn't work. I think, I think there was too much marijuana fueling the idea of this, mm-hmm. of this movie. Um, and again, high, it's, it's very high concept and that's always a gamble. Um, making it animated, making it anthropomorphized food, mm-hmm. making it about this weird cultish thing. And there's this, there's this allegory underneath this kind of uh, subplot, if you will. It's like a religious allegory. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, high concept, but I just, I think it, it's also very dumb. It's just a dumb concept. Um, and it's, it, it just didn't really work for me. Okay. I will, I'll agree it is an incredibly dumb concept. Yeah. <laughs> just in general. Um, and I forgot this anecdote and I, I don't know if I'll keep this in or not, but, um, two things about my viewing experience going into it. Mm-hmm. A classic Matt Hurt theater awkwardness story. Um, one is I got to the theater early cause I, I went straight from work. And so I got to the theater early. I was the first one in the theater, got my, got my preferred seat. And then, um, <laughs> as I'm sitting there, um, this lady comes in, the second person to come in the theater was, a, was a lady who came in, like looked at all the empty seats, looked at me and said, is this sausage party? <laughs> and in my head, I was like, this is like this is like the beginning of a porno. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like, are you, you want here? It, you for want the, it to be <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you here for the sausage party? Um, but anyway, that's ridiculous. I just thought that it was weird. Uh, second thing that was kind of weird was that uh, about ten minutes later, the theater kind of—I mean, it had like maybe thirty percent capacity filled, maybe a little less. But so there's there's a lot of empty seats and everything. I'm in a seat that's not even center to the screen. It's a little bit off center to the left because the row that I was in, like there was guck, guck in one of the seats, and I was like, you know what? I like to stretch out my legs. Oh, what the guck? Yeah, right. <laughs> Ridiculous. But this couple sat directly behind me, oh. like 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 the seat directly behind me, and I'm like, there, dude, there's so many other seats. Like, yeah. why? This is so awkward. But I don't know. It, maybe that's just me. But anyway, um, my thoughts on the actual movie are, you know, I, like I said, I agree. It is pretty stupid. It's a, it's a dumb movie, but I enjoyed myself for about 70, 75% of it all told. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the concept alone while dumb is really strong. Um, what I don't like was the execution of it. There are a couple things that I can talk about later as we progress through the review. But in particular, there was um, some issues that I had with it that it just seemed like maybe this is more of a, a personal bias because I 
do consider myself an authority on anthropomorphized objects and animals and on film. As would I. Um, right. So, but like, I found myself like thinking, okay, well, that's essentially the same thing they did in this in in Toy Story two or Toy Story three. It's just like it seemed like they were just just following the beats of this very specific subgenre and just throwing in vulgar humor to it, which I don't mind. It's just, I kind of felt like there was a little bit more there or Mm -hmm. the more, it could have been for such a, by my count, by my opinion, clever premise and, um, unique take, like something that I have never seen in a film before. Um, by my count, like that, those things, even it squandered that opportunity by kind of cribbing other similar movies and uh, going too extreme in some respects, which I mean, I might, we might have to do like a spoiler warning to uh, a spoiler at the end of the review potentially. But um, there were some things about it that I just, it just, I just didn't like. And I thought that some of it just wasn't that great, but overall I thought that it was pretty, you know, pretty enjoyable. It was, it was, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm kind of, I feel like I'm giving the completely different um, opinions, but overall I enjoyed the experience and I found some of the comedy beats really funny. Um, and then other parts just didn't uh, land with me. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the kind of religious allegory kind of thing. Like I thought that that was, I mean, it. I, I liked what they did. I kind of think that it would have been better if it spent some time like it seems like if they would have spent some more time uh, developing that idea and not making it so, so uh, straightforward and on the nose and it just seemed kind of like cheap. I agree very much. I I read a review somewhere where someone said it wasn't even a review. It was just, it was one of the, I think uh, uh, secular sites I follow said like the headline of the article was uh, there's a very brilliant uh, subplot about, or there's a very brilliant religious allegory in the movie uh, Sausage Party. I was like, there is one. It wasn't even close to brilliant. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it, like you said, it was very on the nose mm-hmm. and hit you over the head with it and yeah. was not subtle at all yeah. and wasn't fully fleshed out or realized, I don't think. Absolutely. It was yeah. very, it was like low hanging fruit. It was, yeah. 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 Um, and, but like the pieces are there that it could have been. It could have been really, really cool and and really uh, biting, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you know, no pun intended. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that's where it kind of fell flat for me. Yeah. Um. So uh, I'm trying to think of wh- where we can head with this review without going into spoilers. So, um. At the center of the movie, there's basically uh, Seth Rogen's character and Kristen Wiig's character are a <laughs> a hot dog and a bun who are packaged together. They're basically um, this is a society where the uh, food in the supermarket believe that by being chosen by consumers and taken home, they're taken to the great beyond where they they ascend to heaven. Um, and so there's this really religious. Uh, um, extremism that spreads throughout the throughout the food items. So like Seth Rogen and Kristen Wiig are like in love with each other, but they're packaged and they can't um, express their love. So they just touch tips and stuff. So and that's basically all I'll get into with that 
tips by tips of the hand. That's our finger. They have hands. They have hands. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, neglected to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> but no. And one thing that surprised me was that judging from the trailer, I kind of thought that this was going to be a like uh group of food group of food is taken home and it would, it would be about them exploring the consumer's house. Mm-hmm. But instead, this was more, this, it actually had more to do with, uh, actually being in the supermarket than anything. And I kind of liked that. I, I kind of enjoyed that. Um, cause there was some good stuff to mine from there. Um, they didn't mine it too well cause it kind of turned into some kind of egregious stereotypes here and there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, one thing that I did like was that, well, I like the concept that, that I've now seen a movie with an in, uh, anthropomorphized douche. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which I actually really liked that character. Did uh, you? Nick Kroll did the voice. Yeah. Which I didn't even realize. And I, I was like, I was trying to pinpoint whose voice that was. And I was like, I have mm-hmm. no idea. Um, I think he did a really good job. I, th- mm-hmm. I thought it was really, that was like one of the best parts for me was his, his douchiness. Really? It was, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. I, I liked, uh, I liked his, I liked his douchiness because he's, I mean, he's a douche. He's like a broed out douche throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Which I like that. I thought that that was clever. I think that Nick Kroll, I'm not the biggest Nick Kroll fan, but I will say that him playing a douche seems, uh, in his wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know the guy personally or anything, but I just, I kind of, something about me bugs him and I, I think that, and maybe it's also his role in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um. So it he so he's suited for that role. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of him either. But yeah. I thought he I, I thought he was kind of perfect casting for that. Nice. Yeah. Um. Same here. But the things that they did with the character, and I I mean I don't I don't think we really I'll avoid spoilers, but there were like some things that like he's a douche, and then he's like a like like something else entirely mm-hmm. and like and like i'm not i'm not the type to be offended or or like i'm not like some someone who's like oh i'm outraged by this thing but like when when he does certain things i'm just like whoa this is uh this is this is uh not really going to the humor level that i think that they think that they're going with me um hmm. i'm I'm talking about specifically something involving a juice box. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that I was like, oh, this just escalated things to a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just, yeah, that just, it made me kind of uncomfortable. Also, that might be due to this really weird couple sitting directly behind me. (laughs) So, I mean, grain of salt, but, but no, that just, that kind of just got under my skin just a little bit. Yeah. Um. But I'm, I mean, I'm all for like offensive humor and stuff like that. But I mean, that just seemed like that was my problem with it was that it existed in that scene specifically to, uh, depict that scene and not for any real comedic effect other than the depiction of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like that just seemed kind of just a little wrong to me. Okay. Yeah. I guess I didn't, I didn't get that. I thought it was crazy, but mm. I, I guess I didn't get that full effect. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's just me. Yeah. I was, I was a little, I was a little irked by the continual, um, uh, the, the continual attempt to be like tongue in cheek. 
Mm-hmm. Um, for example, there's a, a bagel character and like a falafel-ish kind of character, I guess. Yeah. And Let's th- talk about that brilliant subplot. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, clearly, of course, one is meant to be to represent an Israeli Jew mm-hmm. and one is supposed to meant like supposed to represent like a, a Palestinian Muslim. Mm-hmm. And of course they argue back and forth. They're, they're fighting over their space in the aisle mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it, you know, it's not even an attempt to subtly reference the, right. is, is, conflict in Israel. Um, and you know, th- that's, if you make a couple jokes like that, that can be funny. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, it can be used to a proper comedic effect. Mm-hmm. But again, it was just very ham fisted and heavy handed, just hitting you over the head with it nonstop, making these jokes and poking, poking each other mm-hmm. and getting into conflicts with one another and very stereotypical, like you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. And just yeah. not, just really not satisfying comedically. Right. Um, I, I just think they, they they went too far with some stuff mm-hmm. and just tried a little too hard and needed there there was just there's just like just no subtlety whatsoever yeah. in the whole movie. It was ham fisted. It was bagel fisted. <laughs> it was falafel fisted. <laughs> um, That's great. Stupid. No, but yeah. Douche fisted, bro. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but yeah, it was my issue with that was it was really really just beating us over the head with it and like you said like yeah it could it could have worked well if it was just you know um uh few and far between 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 the the scenes with them and Mm -hmm. like just here and there but it was like it was its own legitimate subplot and like some of the gags like i enjoyed like um when one of the characters says like why don't you just share the aisle yeah i thought like that's that's pretty clever that's that's pretty good right but for that one joke there was um, several minutes of screen time where I was just like, all right, okay, you're, you're kind of, uh, just kind of a little bit stereotypical here. Yeah. yeah. Um, what did you think of the, the kind of sage, wise Native American characters? Yeah. You know, whatever. It was, it was kind of what you'd expect. Again, there's just stereotypes all over the place. Basically, yeah. the, 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 Native American character who is a bottle of whiskey, I believe. Yeah. Which is not very sensitive. I think um, like fireball whiskey or something. Yeah, which that's yeah. that's pretty insensitive to um to Native American people. Yeah, um, it really is. And which, you know, again, I'm like you, I'm not one to be offended either, but it's mm-hmm. just kind of like did you have to go there? Did it have to be that? Right. Why couldn't it have been something else? I don't know. And and you know, the the character was basically stoned and like sitting around smoking mm-hmm. a peace pipe the entire time. Like that was, that was the entire breadth of that character. Um, and it, it was, it was all just that there was no originality or depth to any of it. It was just all very, it was all just, just, just no, not subtle and just really, it, it was too much. Mm-hmm. It was too much across the board for me. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, I mean, this might not even end up being that long of a review. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're kind of just repeating the same thing and we can go into a spoiler, uh, section here in a bit. But, um, an interesting piece of trivia that I just found was that the red band trailer for this movie was accidentally shown in a screening of Finding Dory. Oh, good lord. Which, uh, has me pretty, uh, pretty amused. What did you think of? So we established that there was a lot of, there's a lot of supermarket scenes. What do you think of the scenes that actually took place outside in, in the world? Those were some of the more interesting parts, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see, 
it's it's funny to see humans personified the way they were in the movie. Yeah. As basically like completely evil monsters who are destroying right. this food and stuff like that. It's it, it that was that was funny. I enjoyed that. Um it's it was a good idea. Um so th- those were some of the better parts. Um especially following the one hot dog uh Barry mm-hmm. voiced by Michael Sarah. Right. That was kind of funny, the adventures he got into. Um that was that was some of the better part of the movie, but again it was nothing that really gripped me or like really I don't know. I wasn't like super impressed and like really into the movie in those moments or anything. Yeah. Um, so the scenes with the, in the real world with, with the human characters, judging from the trailer, and this is also me going in with the preconceived notions from the trailer. Um, I was kind of, I, I was kind of left wanting more of that. So like there's that scene where the group goes home or go is taken home and uh, it's very prominent in the trailer where they're looking in, in shock of like the woman cooking. And I kind of, I kind of wish that the movie would have been more about that. I agree. Yeah. And, uh, there's another subplot with, uh, <laughs> with a character actually voiced by James Franco. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's one of the instances where I was like, okay, this just seems more, this seems, it seemed really shoehorned in. Um, as a way to get some of the characters back to the store. Yeah. And it seemed just like really, I appreciated what they were going for with that. Um, cause it was just this drug addict that they, that one of the characters finds, but it was just like, it just seemed in the grand scheme of things kind of unnecessary and kind of just kind of like a, uh, I mean, it's a 90 minute movie, but it, I was just like, I, I was left wanting more of that or less of that entirely <laughs> like yeah or cutting it out completely like show more of that side of the story or don't show it at all if that makes any kind of sense agree and and you know it did kind of it was used as sort of setup for the final climax of the movie right but again it could have been done differently and yeah. it was it, i think it, it kind of came out of nowhere i think it would have been more if it were more prominently featured or, or mm. referenced a few more times throughout the movie, I think it would have made more sense. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was just kind of shoehorned in there. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go into a spoiler discussion. I'll probably end up cutting this to after the episode because it's still in theaters and everything. Okay. Um, so anyway, we can, we can do that in a second, but I just want to prompt everyone by saying that we're going to be going into a spoiler talk. I'm going to cut it from the episode and put it after the, um, probably at the end of the episode after the uh, potpourri section. So you don't need to worry about timestamps or anything. So Okay, so we just had a somewhat lengthy uh spoiler discussion and uh yeah, you you can hear that at the end of it. I don't know if this is a better way to cut the spoiler into it or, or if you guys are more into the uh timestamp thing cuz I know that having a spoiler free and then a meet a spoiler free uh review and then a spoiler review and then potpourri that doesn't seem really conducive to uh you know people commuting to work or yeah being in the shower when they're listening um um so yeah anyway (laughs) i I was waiting for you to catch that yeah i did okay i caught it so anyway (laughs) um so yeah you can hear that after the uh after the potpourri section of this podcast and so, kind of to wrap up our review, Tiny, overall, how did you feel about Sausage Party? Is this a movie that you're going to revisit at some point, or was it a one and done? Are you going to own it? 
um, would you show your would you show your newly born nephew it would you uh would you show it to your uh future in-laws your parents um none of the above okay i don't want i don't want my nephew to have an unhealthy relationship with food mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i um i i would give it a very soft five out of ten and i okay. think that i think that's being kind of generous honestly mm-hmm. um i really didn't care for it i will more than likely never see it again um i really wish i had seen it on like vod or something instead mm-hmm. of paying ten dollars to go see it um i i really i really just didn't like it that much it it just it lacked any kind of nuance it just mm-hmm. was not even close to nuanced in any way um i, I was very dis I, I was i was disappointed i wasn't mm-hmm. very disappointed um i didn't have a lot of stakes going in so mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I think i think seth rogan and evan goldberg are far more talented than mm-hmm. what we got in this movie i mean I'd like to see him do something like Fifty Fifty again. Yeah, which oh, I thought, me I thought too. was a great movie and really, totally. really clever and and well done and, and heartfelt. And I, I think I think their talents are better used for movies like that. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's fun when they crank out something like This Is the End or yeah, something me like too. that. You know, I I, th- I just think their talents are better used for for something that's that's much more clever, right? And nuanced. Yeah. And I wanted to point out that you said that you want them to do something more like 50-50 when that movie was based on a real-life experience of one yeah, of their friends having cancer. That's so, true, yeah. One of their friends needs to get cancer again. You know, fingers crossed. <laughs> that's a terrible, horrible thing to say. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I'll kind of echo some of those sentiments. I didn't hate it. I I, I would probably give it a six just because some of the stuff that worked worked pretty well. And I could see myself, if it's on Netflix or something and I'm if it's on Netflix or something and I'm editing the podcast, I, I could throw it on in the background and not really think twice about it. But overall, I think that it could have been a better movie if it had a little bit more uh, time to develop something that didn't seem like they were just throwing it in. It's it, and in the end, it seemed like they were just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. Yeah, and then going with that. And the, in the end, they kind of just crammed in so much stuff uh, into this little ninety-minute movie about a pretty basic premise, and then it kind of just didn't seem to have any cohesive quality to it because there's we're following several different plot lines, and and the ones that we're doing the the ones that have like a through line throughout the movie are incredibly straightforward and incredibly over uh, um uh, um lacking any subtlety and it's just i don't know it, it was it was a letdown for me too but i mean i don't regret seeing it but then again i'm speaking to someone who has movie pass so it's not like <laughs> i mean i've technically you know i'll tell you by the end of the year how much i've saved but mm-hmm. i mean i didn't shell out ten dollars in the moment to to get it but yeah but tiny you did and you know how people can uh, help out if uh, if they want to give you back your ten dollars? How's that? They can donate to the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> um, yeah. So so that's our review of Sausage Party. Stay tuned for later in the episode to have a uh, spoiler discussion if you've seen the movie or don't care enough to not be spoiled on it. Um. So I asked for some listener thoughts and I didn't really get much of a response. Um, today or, uh, or earlier, but I did mention it's earlier in the group and let's see, uh, listener Matt said that <laughs> this was actually, this is kind of apropos of nothing, but in the group he said, uh, 
he really wants to see it, but he doubts that he'll have time. And then uh, I told him that, you know, I went in with high expectations and left with a lot of thoughts on the movie. And I was looking forward to talking about it at length. And then so Matt said, "Uh oh, thoughts. Those are scary. I said, yes. And then he put, I don't even want to know about your thoughts of Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> and I put, I'll make that a Patreon reward. <laughs> and, he <laughs> said, and he said, can we pay you not to? <laughs> That's funny. Right. <laughs> and then uh, Craig Lane from Intermission Podcast and uh, past guest on the show, he said that uh, Sausage Party wasn't quite as good as I was hoping. But for me, the big surprise was in the writing. There was actually a really well thought out, thought out plot. Hmm. Which, you know, to each other, now that I'm talking about it, like, I, like, I respond to it and said that I was surprised with how much there was going on both plot-wise and the subtext. So, I mean, in general, like, I think the actual idea of, of making these characters uh, um, so controlled by this religious thing, on the surface, that's an interesting concept, Um but it, they just squandered it with the lacking of any subtlety. Yeah. Um, but it was still, I still found it kind of entertaining, but I don't know. Um, I won't own it. Yeah. So um, having said that, before we go to Potpourri, here's a quick um, promo for Shocktober in Irvington, which is uh, more information can be found at shocktoberinirvington.com. It is a one night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers at the Irving Theater in Indianapolis. Tickets are on sale now for the third annual Shocktober in Irvington presented by the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Join the hosts of the Obsessive Viewer on October 14th, 2016 at the Irving Theater for a one-night event screening of short horror films, including the premiere screenings of J.P. Lex The Roman the latest entry in his cross-medium Elsewhere World universe, as well as the latest slasher from Snapshot Productions and Billy and Brandon Watch Movies. All of this, and so much more. Come celebrate the horror genre in the historic Irvington area, and get a chance to meet the filmmakers with live interviews after each screening. You can also win DVDs, Blu-rays, and gift cards to Irvington businesses. Tickets are on sale now at shocktoberinirvington.com. All proceeds will go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. And we will see you at the Irving Theater on October 14th. That is, if you dare. Okay, and uh, yeah, so that is our Shocktober promo. And uh, Tiny, are you ready for potpourri? Let's do it, Braddy. Sweet. Um, potpourri for those first time listeners are, uh, is rather the, uh, section of the podcast where we talk about anything we've watched, anything that we're looking forward to, anything we want, as long as it smells good to kind of wind down the podcast, um, each week and tiny, I have two things and you have one thing. Correct. Okay. So I'll get us kicked off and I'll just say, this is going to be, I mean, this has been a few weeks ago since I've seen this, so I don't know, um, how much I'll, I'll really talk about it, but um, Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. So I saw this and I, I was hoping to get the brothers Feckus on the podcast, but I actually never heard back and time has passed. So, I mean, it's it's fine. We'll, we'll get them back on for something else. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so uh, Suicide Squad, it's the latest entry in the DC Extended Universe, um, which has such, you know, 
obsessive viewer acclaimed entries. <laughs> no, I hated Man of Steel. We both we both didn't like it. Mike didn't. We all didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and then Batman v Superman, obviously, kind of a turd sandwich by our our accounts. Um, yeah. Though guest Robert Feckus defended it mm-hmm. very admirably. Um, then now there's Suicide Squad. So I went into Suicide Squad kind of hoping hoping that this would correct uh course correct the DC extended universe or at least make me excited about it. Mm-hmm. Like because I left I left Batman v Superman just being so disappointed, even though I found it entertaining. But I still left really disappointed by the plot, by everything, and I remember in that review I completely derided Zack Snyder as a filmmaker. I was very harsh on him as a filmmaker. I was convinced that this guy is not the guy to have your story to, to have control your story of your entire universe. And he's just, he's just ruined it completely and it's gone off to a bad start. So suicide squad was written and directed by David Ayer, who is a filmmaker that I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have, Strong opinions about either way. Um, but after seeing Suicide Squad, I, it's not that I want to give Zack Snyder credit. I want to say maybe the DC Extended Universe isn't a Zack Snyder problem. Maybe it's just a DC problem that yeah. they, DC Warner Brothers, because they, I get the sense that they have just no, no idea what the hell they're doing. Yeah. It's, I mean, and Suicide Squad was just, oh yeah, I guess David Ayer, I'm not too fond of in general, like he did End of Watch, I wasn't a fan of, but anyway, um, but yeah, um, Suicide Squad is, there's some things that worked for me that, that I've seen critics actually not like, so there's a lot of, okay, so the trailers have a lot of like, uh, music licensed music like there's the queen trailer there's Mm -hmm. a bunch of music and that's it's like that throughout the movie (laughs) like there are several several music drops and i was i was digging pretty much all of them nice i thought it was really cool and it was really cool the way that they introduced a bunch of characters um each character kind of gets their own like intro uh to the movie but then it's just kind of a crapshoot from there Mm. they're is a really weak um, villain, which hey, okay, I have I have defended the Marvel movies, and they all pretty much across the board have pretty weak villains, pretty weak motivations. But the thing about the Marvel movies is that they're fun enough to to not make me overlook because I I have been vocal about the fact that like okay, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of my favorite Marvel movies. But I'm not going to pretend that Ronan the Accuser is a fantastic villain. Right. Or that I got any kind of uh, fulfillment out of seeing more of Thanos because I still don't think, like, I'm, I still think going into Infinity War, I still think, like, okay, we haven't seen why, necessarily why Thanos is such the big bad of the universe, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. So I accept that the. That the villain of these movies or that the villain of Suicide Squad being weak is kind of a, a weird comp- or a, a weird complaint. But when the entire cast is just not working for me and when the story doesn't work, like there, there's a character 
who I can't really say this without without spoiling too much, but I'll say this that there is a character that pops up out of nowhere. Like like literally every other character in the Suicide Squad gets their own their own entrance, their own backstory, their own rap sheet, their own flashback, their own everything. Then there is a character that pops up like saying like uh um he comes to the scene as if he's in the suicide squad which he is and then um uh uh Joel Kinnaman's character is like oh there's so and so he's he can climb anything it's like where the hell did he come from <laughs> like we like we literally have no idea like what the hell um so that really bothered me and then the joker Jared Leto it, like he's not in it that much but uh, i don't know i think that I think that in a different movie he could have worked better um if he was if he was the focal point and everything but for the most part it just it felt just out of place like most of this movie in general there's this whole subplot with um Joker and Harley Quinn that's really just kind of okay maybe this is my bias because I have not read the comics I have not seen the animated series I haven't seen I haven't seen enough of the source material to get a real read on uh, the relationship between Joker and Harley Quinn mm-hmm. but throughout the movie it's like it it's like they are in love with each other which you know sure but like my understanding <laughs> of it or my perspective of it has always been that Joker is completely bat insane. And he uses Harley's, you know, affection for him to control her and to do, into doing things. But, mm-hmm. but the movie depicts him as this kind of underground crime boss with that freaking damage tattoo. That holy crap, David Ayer, you can say as much as you want. You can you can release as much detail about about why he has that damn tattoo. It's not going to work for me at all. Like he agreed. It's oh my god, it's so dumb. And then not only that, but like I was distracted trying to see the tattoos every time he was on screen. Also, he has like a teardrop tattoo that's a J, and I'm like, yeah. God, that's so dumb. It's just it just felt so awkward and weird. Um, but yeah, so I didn't like the movie. The villain at the end isn't. I mean, it's a somewhat spoiler alert. It's basically the a rehash of every comic book movie trope you've seen in like. Like I even had problems with one of the more more celebrated depictions of this particular trope. I'm trying to be vague, but um and then it just it just it just none of it worked for me. It really didn't. And there's like scenes where um a character like two characters um have a relationship together and then the scene there's a pivotal moment that kind of sets up the inciting incident for everything that come that's to come. And then they cut away from it, like as if there's some big secret involved with it. But it's like they cut away from it, like maybe a scene or two after they probably should have. Cause it's like, okay, we know why this character is doing this thing. And then like later on, they were, they refer back to it. And I'm being very vague and I know that this is confusing, I'm sure, but they refer back to it. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what we knew going in. I don't understand. It's, it was so, it was, it was a letdown. It was, aggravating and my my hope that the dc extended universe could course correct just gets weaker every day so i don't know maybe wonder woman and uh whatever the next one is 
<laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, uh, Justice League, I guess. Holy crap. Yeah, I think so. Um, but hopefully those can do better. But I don't know. That just it just was such a such a bummer, especially when I I actually had some uh, slight expectations that they would be that it would be better. But yeah, that is a shame. Yep. You I, haven't uh, seen it yet? I have not, but I, I really want to see it in theaters before mm-hmm. it's before it's out. The the whole Queen trailer got me. Yeah. I was like, I'm officially excited for this movie. Um and I haven't heard the best things about it. Um Yeah. I will say sorry, I will say that um Will Smith, like I went in kind of thinking like, okay, I, I like judging from the trailers, I thought that Will Smith was the looked like the most out of place person in the cast. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like his his like interactions with Joel Kinnaman, who plays I don't even remember the character's name, but he's like the kind of head of the squad, like he's kind of babysitting them mm-hmm. as they're going on their little mission. But like the interactions between Will Smith and Joel Kinnaman, like they they have this dynamic where they're both trying to get um, command of the the unit, if you will, and and it's this struggle and and uh, between the two of them, and then uh, they eventually like there's you know, a growing respect as the movie unfolds. Like that is the one, the one character interaction between two, between multiple characters. That's the one piece of characterization, the one relationship in the movie where I was like on board with it and thought that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty solid. Wow. Every other, every other characterization, every other character interaction was just fell flat to me. That is such a shame. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, on, I haven't seen it yet, but on that note, I, I recently purchased and read the killing joke. Oh, nice. Um, which is one of the more famous Batman comics, mm-hmm. I think, um, written by Alan Moore in the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. And they recently made that into an animated movie. Right. Um, so I, I read the book. It's really cool. It's it's well done. It's There's a reason why it's very famous. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to watch the DVD slash Blu-ray slash video nice. sometime soon. And I'll probably bring that up in a potpourri at some point. Sweet. In, in the next few episodes, hopefully. Nice. Our friends over at The Nerd you're looking for, they... Uh, they reviewed it a few weeks ago, and uh, they had a very interesting review. Oh, really? I'll say that, not to give anything away about uh, how it is. I mean, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it because they, they brought back Kevin Conroy, right. who voiced him in the animated series, and, and Mark, uh, Hamill? Mark Hamill as mm-hmm. the Joker. And I, I think Kevin Conroy is one of my favorite Batman, mm-hmm. my, my favorite actors who played Batman. So I'm glad they got them back, and so I'm excited for it for that reason. Nice. So yeah, look, nice. look back in a couple of weeks. I'll uh, hopefully be talking about that. Sweet. Yeah. So that's my rant for my potpourri. Uh, Tiny, what do you got? Gotcha. Um, I watched a movie on VOD called Eye in the Sky. Okay. Uh, it came out last year. I, I don't think it did very well financially. Critically, I'm not really sure. It's got a 7.3 on IMDb, which is kind of high for mm-hmm. IMDb. Um, if you don't know, the movie is essentially about... It, it it it's a story that takes place uh within the drone program that the right. United States military uses um which is essentially where you have an unmanned drone that's in the air uh monitoring a very a given area and these drones are equipped with weapons and they can strike very 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 accurately on a given location 24/7 365 wow mm-hmm. um and it's it's become very controversial. There was a um, uh, a, U- a U.S. citizen who uh, oh. was killed by one of these drones uh, overseas. He was a com- like self-proclaimed terrorist and everything. So I mean, 
there's some cause there, but it was very right. very controversial because the United States government executed a American citizen without any due process whatsoever. Right. Um, and, and that's what's so controversial about the whole program is you can literally investigate, convict, and sentence someone in the span of 30 seconds mm-hmm. without any kind of jury, no judge is there. Uh, and you're technically within the law of just just murdering this person. Wow. Um, and, and so this movie kind of presents a scenario where they have these these terrorists on video in this house in a I believe it was like some kind of androgynous Middle Eastern country. Mm-hmm. Um, they're making a video of them strapping bombs on themselves and they're getting ready to go mm-hmm. perpetrate an attack. Um, but half a block away, there's this adorable little girl who's selling bread to support her family. And it's like, you know, she would be collateral damage. And like the, the people who are flying the drone can see that there's this little girl right there. And it's like, I don't want to drop this bomb on these guys because I'm going to kill that little girl. Right. And it's just, it's kind of this, it's, it's very, it it was very fascinating for me because I, I have very mixed feelings about this program that we have as Mm -hmm. the United States military. And, um, it's something I have mixed feelings on and I, I just don't really know how to feel about it. And, and this, this movie presents a scenario that while not likely is certainly possible. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think every time we, we have done one of these drone, drone strikes, there's always collateral damage. Right. Which is just a fancy phrase for innocent people being killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, that's the bottom line. And, the scenario is just very interesting to me because there's literally nothing that you could do to prevent the loss of innocent life. Mm-hmm. There's there's just no good scenario for this. There there's no good outcome for the scenario that they're presented with in this movie, and it's very interesting. It's it's kind of an ensemble cast, and mm-hmm. it's a very good cast. There's not really a lead per se. Um, head billing is Helen Mirren. Mm-hmm. Who's one of the best actresses alive right now? Right. Um, Aaron Paul, who I'm a massive fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I believe this is Alan Rickman's last movie. It's. I was gonna ask you about that. He uh, might have one more coming. I'm not yeah, sure, but I think it's one of his last ones. Yeah. Um, Alan Rickman is in it. Um, and uh, I think this is only the second role for Barkhad Abdi, mm-hmm. who was nominated for. Um, oh gosh, what was the name of that movie? Um. Wow, he was nominated for an Oscar for um, Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips, yeah, yeah. Uh, very good in that, and he was also really good in this. So, it's it's very interesting seeing this this scenario presented in the film through the eyes of these four characters. Mm-hmm. Aaron Paul is fl- literally flying the drone, and he has his finger on the trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen Mirren is the colonel who's kind of calling the shots. Alan Rickman is the military man who is presenting the scenario to the um politicians in mm. uh, in England and Barkat Abdi is the man on the streets who is helping with the surveillance of the of the terrorists so um okay. it's it's just you get these different points of view and it's it's each character kind of fits a certain archetype in a military story like this and it's you un- it, it was a very good idea to make them archetypical characters because Mm -hmm. you know what you're going to get but it's incredible to see it actually play out and it's like who who has the moral high ground who is going to 
come out on top of this and man it's just it's just incredibly tense and and a really there's a lot of edge of your seat moments and and I just I, I think it's interesting to watch people play out the morality of a scenario like this mm-hmm. it's it was it was a very interesting portrayal of human behavior and and human thought and and very paints a dark picture of the world we live in but also paints a semi-positive picture of how humans can still be empathetic and still want to still want to try to do something right or do something good it's Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of ambiguous that way, and 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 it's it's a satisfying kind of ambiguity. I I respect the the filmmakers and the writers and the performers for pulling it off the way they did. Nice. Um, it's not a perfect movie. I think the like I said, I think this scenario is it's not impossible, but it's mm-hmm. like so unlikely and just very. I I don't necessarily see everything playing out the way it did mm-hmm. in the movie. I think it's 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 like you know every single side is played out and mm-hmm. that's not necessarily realistic but but i didn't necessarily want a realistic portrayal in this right. movie i wanted i wanted i wanted a hypothetical situation mm-hmm. to play out through all the ways that it could i was just going to say it sounds like more of a hypothetical thought experiment it is depiction okay. it is um and and it, i i really enjoyed it it's it's also directed by gavin hood right uh, who's been doing a lot of good things lately at least in my X-Men book origins wolverine right <laughs> um but no, he did. Uh, God, what did he do that I liked? Um, maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Ender's Game. I must be thinking of somebody else. Yeah, because he did uh, Ender's Game, X Men Origins, Wolverine. He did Rendition. Did you ever see that? I did see Rendition, hmm. which was a similar like kind of post nine eleven movie. Right. I, I must be thinking of something else. Someone else. Yeah. <laughs> He's not bad, but right. <laughs> um, interesting. But yeah, I I recommend this movie just for. Just for the thought process, it's not a happy movie right. by any stretch, um, but there's some really good performances, and it's just, it really makes you think, and, and if you if you have any kind of opinion on the drone program, the drone strike program in, in the United States military, I think you should see this, and I, I, I still don't know how I feel about it. It's it's just such a, such a morally ambiguous mm-hmm. question and concept. Uh, it's, it's very fascinating. Nice. I'll have to uh, check it out. the The poster looks really cool. Um, did you see that? Oh yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. Wow. Um, but it sounds kind of similar to. Uh, well, I mean, I guess I haven't seen this in really forever. <laughs> I've seen bits and pieces here and there, but the uh, 1964 movie Failsafe. Did you ever see that? No, I never seen that one. Okay, kind of seems kind of similar to uh, in in tone to that. The um, yeah, anyway. That's more yeah, that that movie was more about the uh Cold War and you know, obviously nuclear arms. It's about um um uh, nuclear arsenal has been sent to Russia to drop the bomb, but it's the result of a malfunction. So Okay. The whole movie is I believe the whole movie is just uh them trying to call it back. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, and and uh, that that sounds familiar as well, mm-hmm. and you know, like a movie like Crimson Tide, right? Um, the interesting military scenario, um, and the m- movie I was trying to think of earlier is Lions Lions for Lambs, okay. uh, came out in two thousand seven, huge cast, but it's also kind of morally explorative of of 
our military's role around the world and, and how we're deployed, how it's deployed and used. Uh, it's also a, kind of a fascinating movie. Cool. Yep. Well, that gives us a lot to think about, Tiny. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of round out Potpourri, if you don't mind. I hope it's something a little more uh, upbeat. It, it is. It is. <laughs> Good. Um, well, I guess. Um, it's... Uh, this is more of an anecdote than anything, and I'll be brief. But um, lately, I've just been really tired. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Um, it's you know, being an adult. Exactly. Work has been work has been pretty busy, and um, you know, at the end of the day, I just kind of want to throw something on. And what I find myself always watching, just kind of hang on the uh, in the background, is uh, Family Guy on Hulu. Like I'll just throw it on and watch it for hours, and then go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I did yesterday instead of, uh, uh, recording anthology. But, um, but anyway, uh, my, my voice was hoarse as it is now. So anyway, um, so yeah, but I, I kind of had an interesting thought when I came across, uh, uh, family guy again, once again, like I watch it, my thought was, okay, so I was thinking that, okay, this, um, this is a show that. I maybe, I mean, it's potentially, Family Guy is potentially a show that I've watched more than, I've watched more of it, like, repeatedly, than maybe 90% of every other show I've ever seen. Wow. Like, yeah, like, I've just seen it so many times, and I've watched it so many times. I've spent so much time watching it, but it's, what's weird about it is that I, I mean, I... I wouldn't call it one of my favorite shows. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Like I just, it's just like if I had to, um, recently I was asked by someone if I, uh, to name my like top five favorite shows. Family Guy was nowhere near it, but I've seen it more times than most of, than really any of the show that the shows that I listed. So it's just, it was just kind of weird that there's a show that I've consumed so much of that I just don't count as my favorite show. Um, and part of that is just due to it just being, you know, something I can throw on in the background and, uh, like it has its problems and everything and, uh, but it's still enjoyable. So I don't know. That's, it's an anecdote that is really going nowhere. So Tony, what'd you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a similar relationship to family guy. I don't, I don't, re- I don't watch it regularly or anything, but, mm-hmm. uh, it is just, it's just one of those shows you can kind of throw on. It definitely and is. And you're like, oh, this is the one where Peter travels in time with right. death. Or, you know, it's like, I've seen it, but like, you'll forget about a joke that was in it and you'll right. see the joke and you'll laugh again. Yeah. Um, it, it has, it has certain qualities that make it a very watchable show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does have a lot of problems and it's, it's very pretentious and self-righteous in general yeah. as a show. And it's, that can be very off-putting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it does have, it just has that quality to it that you can, you can just turn it on and have it on in the background. I agree. Yeah, totally. And it's, uh, and I think what, what kind of made me evaluate my standing on family guys that I've also been, as I said, uh, a couple months ago, I think I've been watching a lot of Simpsons. Like as I go to bed, I uh, just have it playing on, on my laptop as I fall asleep. And, uh, basically it's the last thing I watch when I, before I wait, uh, before I go to sleep and I kind of have it playing on my laptop as I sleep. Um, so it's kind of the first thing I see when I wake up too. <laughs> and it's like, that actually might not be too good for my computer. I don't know. Um, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'll stop that unfortunately. But anyway, uh, so I'll have it playing and then like 
so that kind of put put it into perspective for me when I was watching Family Guy because it's like gun to my head, Simpsons would win every single time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, I count Simpsons as one of my one of one of the top shows of all time, and but there's something about the, just the like you said, kind of background noise thing about Family Guy, but it kind of opened my eyes to some of the uh, differences between the two shows. Like Family Guy is much, much more mean spirited and and really more shock than anything. Uh, where Simpsons has, at least classic Simpsons has this really nice structure of of telling stories that have more depth to them and isn't just constant cutaway gags every now and then right every few minutes so i don't know it's it's you know it's a comparison that's been made in the past all the time and and a lot of people have talked about it so i won't bore you guys with more of my half-assed analysis but um (laughs) yeah i just thought it was interesting that uh the one of the shows i watch more than any other show is nowhere near on my favorite shows list yeah that is kind of weird yeah it is yeah what are you gonna do um, and now, folks, here's Conway Twitty. Still think that's the dumbest thing that's ever been put on a It's on really, show. really bad. So dumb and so frequent. They do it so many times. Not even remotely clever. Yeah. Yeah. There was one, and there's kind of in the later episodes of, of Family Guy, they do make like some more like uh, jabs at themselves and at the critiques that they've received. So, like, there's an episode where, uh, Peter Quagmire and Joe uh, find, or, and I think Cleveland's there too. They go to find God to ask him why the why the Patriots keep losing, why he <laughs> lets the Patriots keep losing. Yeah. So like they go, they like go to heaven, and like it's, I mean, they're they're. I'm not saying that the show isn't funny because the show is pretty damn funny, but it's just it's just I don't know. It it doesn't have that staying power with me as far as uh, or it doesn't have that. I don't have a stronger connection to it as they do with like Simpsons and other shows. But anyway, they go to heaven and they meet God. And then like at the end of their conversation, God's like, Oh yeah, by the way, Conway Twitty, uh, Conway Twitty said, cut it out. Just write a damn joke. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I thought, okay, that's, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I get a lot of enjoyment out of family guy. It's just, I thought it would, I thought it odd that I watched so much of it, but it's not one of my favorite shows. Right. So anyway, um, I think that'll about do it for this week's episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast that I don't know why the hell I said it that way. <laughs> um, yeah, so anything else we need to add? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, I almost said the thing that I say to people on the phone at work instead of the <laughs> usual non-sign-off. So, yeah, I need a vacation. And I've yeah. only worked my job for three months. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. What are we? What are we talking about next week? Did we decide? We did not. We did not decide. Um, we might try to review "Don't Think Twice," the new Mike Birbiglia movie, mm-hmm. potentially. But if not, then we might do a topic episode or something. Or TBD. TBD. Yeah. I want TBD. <laughs> is that what it is in the, sh- in the episode? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, community. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure if it was something else. Oh yeah, community. <laughs> Is all on Hulu right now too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I think it has been for a while. But anyway, all right. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week with whatever the hell we give you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. So you don't need to worry about timestamps or anything. So 
Yeah, spoilers on. We can go ahead and go. <laughs> Ketchup, mustard, oh, sausages and buns. I can't be everything you want me to be. I can't be everything you want boys! Hey, look at this! We've got one! Oh, yes! We're chosen! Yes! Yes! You and me. I'm so happy that God's put our packages together. It's because we belong together. It's like we were made for each other. Get ready, boys! Feels amazing. Oh, yes! I'm the first to enter eternity. Oh, potato! Way to go, buddy! The pipes, the pipes are caught. Oh, Jesus! Me eyes! Oh, gummy skin! She's peeling me skin! Yeah, spoilers on. We can go ahead and go. Awesome. Okay, so douche raping the grape, raping the uh, grape juice thing or the the juice thing. Did that 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 didn't bother you or anything? I didn't really see it as rape so much as like killing him because <laughs> that's what he did. I mean, he. Yeah. I mean, it, it just so happened that the. <laughs> The wound, I guess, that the juice box had happened to be between his legs, uh-huh. and he kind of had to, you know, suck the juice out of him that way, and mm-hmm. which had a sexual connotation to it, obviously. Uh huh. But I, I don't know. I didn't necessarily get the rape thing. I thought it was really. I mean, it, it's been a couple of weeks, but it seems like it was very overtly like a rape, a rape thing. Yeah, and I guess that is a very douche bro thing to do, right? You know, I, I mean, that's that's gross and disturbing but mm-hmm. um i guess you're right it, there, there's that's definitely something that i think i should have picked up on more right. um but i just saw it more as like oh my god he just killed that guy that's more okay. of what i kind of took from it yeah it and like i wasn't like i wasn't like outraged by it i was just like this it just made me feel really awkward and uncomfortable that's fair uh, yeah look if looking back on it the mental images i have from that <laughs> yeah that's pretty disturbing yeah i mean it's 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 pretty bad yeah Okay, so the the drug addict with the bath salts and everything, like I said, it kind of seemed like, okay, we need to have a scene where these anthropomorphized things um, talk to one of us, like a human, mm-hmm. and it'll be, it'll be funny. But I was just like, it just seemed like they were just checking a box off. And the kind of twist at the end where the guy's beheaded seemed like really, really... Just like, like it got a good shock laugh out of me, but yeah. I was like, "That's just kind of weird." I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, it it was mostly just used for shock value, and I think it it met that requirement. But it, yeah. when you look at it in retrospect, you're like, "Why would they bring the head all the way there?" And and it's like, right? Yeah, why would they? Go through the trouble of dragging the guy's head through the air vents, and like it's just weird. It's, I, I yeah, it it was it was odd, and it was very shocking. Which I guess that's what they were going for. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's something that was in the movie. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I thought the bath sauce was kind of funny. You know, I mean, like me too. Yeah. Putting putting myself in the shoes of that dude, like tripping out, and your food starts talking to you. You know, like mm-hmm. that'd be that's kind of, that's funny in retrospect. I, I laughed at that part. Um. And I thought it was funny how it played into the final conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I think was a bit of a highlight of the movie for me. Really? The um, big battle? The big battle at the okay. end. Just, just the way that the food fought with, like, tried to kill humans and stuff like that. I liked that quite a bit. Yeah. I, I thought that, that was pretty cool. Um, but again, the douche thing, like, using, like, making the guy a puppet was just. Yeah. It seemed. <sighs> I think that my issue was that, or, or not my issue, but the, the thing that I couldn't connect with the movie, connect to the movie with was that it seemed like there was this animosity toward the humans in the movie. Like these humans are evil, terrible creatures. They're not gods. They're terrible monsters. But I'm like, okay, but the premise is that they're food. Right. And like, it's not like, it's not like Sid with the toys in Toy Story who's destroying the toys for his own sadistic amusement. It's like, these are things that people are using to subside on. Like, they're like, we're subsisting on right. them. It's not, it's not like a, it's not, it doesn't translate to that. So it kind of lost me there. Yeah. It's, it's more closely related to like the Lion King talking about the circle of life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you there. Speaking of songs. Hey, <laughs> what did you think of the big religious song at the beginning? I thought it was really dumb. I mean, yeah. I <laughs> I think that kind of movie needs a musical number. I mm-hmm. think that's kind of funny. It's a good idea. But the song was just dumb. It was it was dumb and uh but it's within within the character of the movie cuz it is so straightforward, so hitting you over the head. Yeah. Like, okay, we get it, you know, the food don't know that they're going to be eaten. Mm-hmm. It's like really like I it, it was, it emphasized it for comedy, uh, for comedic effect, but I was just like, I get it. Okay. Right. Um, so, so the big final battle thing between the humans and the supermarket and the food, I enjoyed that. I thought that, that was clever and that was well executed despite a douche making a, a human being a puppet. But then after that, <laughs> um, yeah, that the, the, the food the food just goes into a complete store-wide orgy. Yeah, they do. That felt like such a It was like Okay, so the rest of the movie was like Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg got high and thought, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny if food had human characteristics." Mhm. But then that ending with the orgy felt like two eighth graders got high for the first time <laughs> and talked about the end of a movie. Right. Um, it just seemed so out of nowhere and so out of nowhere and really awkward and out of place. And like, like it, I get it. It's an R rated animated movie and that's pretty funny, but it's like, it just felt like really, really just weird and went on for way too long. Yeah. I, if, if there was a, if there was a precedent that had been set earlier in the movie to where the food has sex, mm-hmm. like, cause there's, you know, obviously the hot dogs and the buns are, mm-hmm. they're like, they have this whole dynamic where they're packaged and they can't get out and do anything right. with each other. And there's this whole purity aspect to it. Another religious thing, mm-hmm. but like, like the ketchup bottle can go bang the mustard bottle anytime it wants. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? There's no, well, Okay. I'll meet you halfway. I I agree, but it's also like they are up until that point they were religious zealots. Can uh, um, yeah convinced true. that they were yeah that the 
them being celibate were was uh, ensuring their entrance into the great beyond. Right. Which I mean, like, okay, so so I my personal philosophies align with the kind of messages of the movie that's saying that you know it's it's kind of it's a secular humor uh, hum, uh, humanist mm-hmm. kind of view of the world, and it's using this religious. Um, uh, subject matter to kind of, you know, parody or, or sat, uh, as satire. But it's also like, what statement are they making that this, as soon as all the food, uh, uh, realized or, or, um, uh, make the decision that they're, that they're no longer going to be, um, religious or, or, um, or defined by their religious views, that they immediately go to the most extreme. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, depraved. I mean, I guess since they were, you know, holding it back the whole time, mm-hmm. but that's a whole nother conversation, right? Um, uh, sexually, sexual acts. It, it just seems so, just so overdone, and really, uh, just like every other thing in the movie. Yeah, just overdone. yeah. It it didn't work for me. It was it was kind of weird. I thought it was funny though. Yeah, I mean, it was. I laughed pretty hard at it. It was funny for the first like two minutes and then <laughs> and then the rest i was like okay when is this over with which i mean technically i mean that i could also be describing something else and i'm not gonna make that joke wow um which is what every woman's ever told me but anyway um <laughs> it's ridiculous oh my god anyway this is spoilers who cares no one's gonna listen to this <laughs> yeah they they went and they just they just went really far with it yeah and, yeah and honestly i didn't it didn't bother me mm-hmm. i thought it was kind of funny but yeah, they again subtlety. Yeah, subtlety can be very useful. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, finally, rounding this out for the spoiler talk, um, the scene at the very end just was like so dumb. So dumb. It's it seemed like they were just. It didn't serve a purpose for me. It really didn't. Yeah, yeah it was. It was weird. It, it was, was like so how do, it was like how do we end this? Yeah, and they just pulled something out of their ass. Exactly. It's like yeah. oh let's. Let's make uh let's make a reference to the fact that they're in a movie and it's they're actors. Yeah. I'm just like that I mean It's too meta. Way, way too meta. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't like that at all. Me neither. Okay, so that'll that'll do it for the uh spoiler review. Thank you for thank you for listening, and this is gonna be the end of the episode. So hey, check out anthologypod.com for my solo po- project podcast. Yep, and check out Secular Perspective, my other pro- podcast. I'm kinda yes appearing on more episodes now nice all right so thank you guys for listening and uh end thank you for listening to the obsessive viewer presented by obsessiveviewer.com you can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com and you can subscribe to the show on itunes stitcher or your preferred podcast app the obsessive viewers theme song is an eclipse of events and is provided by loud like from their ep mistakes we must make You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer at obsessive tiny and at I am Mike white. 
If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.